Hi folks, Jack Spierko here. Today you are listening to an episode of TSP Rewind. Commercial-free versions of past episodes. Podcast blasts from the past. I put these up when I can't do a show due to professional commitments or rare vacations. These podcasts will appear in standard iTunes, Stitcher, and other feeds, but will be titled TSP Rewind Episodes and numbered accordingly. And today, folks, we are rewinding all the way back to April the 28th, 2011. This show was called 13 Interesting Facts About Liberty. As we kick off two weeks of rewinds while I am enjoying the beautiful redwood forests near Mendocino, California with my wife for the next couple of weeks, uh, I tried to come up with an interesting array of rewinds for you this time around, and I tried to come from a broad spectrum of time across the show. This one is the earliest one going back to 2011, so we're going back, what, 10, 12 years, 12, yeah, 12 years total here, right on almost exactly 12 years, given this is April, right? Um, Anyway, there's a lot of stuff in this episode that I think challenged people initially, that they really didn't like hearing these things about liberty. And and this is far enough back that I actually still talked about voting at this time, and I actually thought there was still some solution in that. I had, I had made my journey from small government Republican, which is just nonsense, to, uh, to full libertarian, but I had not turned the corner to full-on anarchist, realizing that government solutions are government problems no matter how much you want them to be a solution. And so you'll hear a little bit of that in this. I don't have a lot of new material for this episode. I think it's pretty timeless and stands on its own. I just want you to think about how much more clear a lot of the claims in this episode are in 2023 than they would have been 12 years ago in 2011. In 2011, there was still a lot of belief that we could fix the problems. That, you know, we were on the road to economic recovery, at least. And if we could just get rid of this Obama character, things will be fine. And, you know, we we hadn't even really considered the concept of a President Trump at this point. Nobody was thinking that way. It was anybody but Obama. And, of course, there was a midterm election where Obama won. Huge, and it really didn't matter as much as people thought it did. And I remember doing an episode not too long after this where I said, you know, Obama won, big deal, get on with your life. Uh, but when you hear things in this, like liberty requires a crime to have a victim, and you see today where we have a lot of crimes that do have victims and nobody being prosecuted for it, and a lot of people being prosecuted for crimes that have no victim. It, it, I think it drives the the... the the peg a little harder into the hole to say we're living in tyranny. And as I've been, you know, leading up to this vacation, I've been talking about the fact that we are at the edge of empire a lot. And when I say edge of empire, I mean the edge temporally of the empire. We are reaching the end of an empire cycle and empires at the end of their cycle always become tyrannical. They always pass more and more and more and more laws They always have more and more regulations. They always go into more and more forms of capital control. They start taking over banking systems, etc. It's everything you see going on right now. But here we go. Let's rewind back to 2011. 13 facts about liberty. 13 somewhat interesting, I think is what I call it, interesting facts when I did it originally. But I would say some of these are, to many people who haven't sat down and done the intellectual work yet, that many of y'all have done, kind of counterintuitive facts about liberty. And I, I do use the word facts here. 
These are not my opinions of liberty. These are facts about liberty. You can disagree with it, but you'll find it very hard to factually dispute it. Anyway, with that, let me remind you guys, while I don't do commercials during my Rewind episodes, you can always support the Survival Podcast and the work I do simply by beginning your online shopping at tspaz.com, T-S-P-A-Z, tspaz.com. No matter what you buy, you start your shopping there, you help us out. You can see all my reviews, and you know how that all works by now. So with that, let's rewind back to April 28th, 2011. Um, I'm going to give you the first one. And the first one I tried to to do something that, that most people, if you just hear it off the cuff, if you don't think about it, would say is wrong. And, and the first one is, liberty cannot exist in a pure democracy. Let me say that again. Liberty cannot exist in a pure democracy. And the key word in there is pure. That doesn't mean that liberty cannot exist in a nation where its government is elected through a democratic process. In fact, that's probably the only way liberty at a national level can exist is through having a democratic element to your government so that the government can be changed. I mean, that's really what it's all about there. But in a pure democracy, we all vote, decide what we want, what we want the government to do, what we want the government not to do. And in a pure democracy, the rights of the minority will be trampled. We don't live in a democracy. We're, we're getting closer and closer to one. We really are. And I don't want to live in a democracy. And that might sound, you know, if you've not listened, especially in the past to some of the shows I've done similar to this, you might really be struggling with this right now. Let me try to frame it for you in a way that will make perfect sense. A pure democracy is two wolves and a sheep voting on what's for dinner. Well, in the republic, the sheep has a rifle. And they're going to talk about what's for dinner, and it ain't going to be the sheep. I mean, that's, as, that's as, as blunt as I can make it for you. The reality is that in a republic form of government, the right of the individual is seen as sacred as the, as the needs of the collective. The both have equal merit and equal value. And that is the only way liberty can exist. Because if we all get together and we decide, well, we're all Christians and we just think it's great that we're going to call the U.S. a Christian nation and let's just make it official and let's recognize all Christian holidays and let's tell those pagans they can't have their little pagan temples in our town or, or whatever it is we decide that we want, as long as 50.01% of us say so, that's the way it's going to be. Well, that's not liberty because that means... 49.9% of the people can want something that doesn't interfere with anybody else. But they can't have it because you said so, and you just happen to have one more person out of 300 million that's willing to go to the polls and vote and says no. That's, that's not how a republic works, and you cannot have liberty in that situation. Liberty does not exist in a democracy. Liberty exists in a democratically elected republic. That can happen. And as we go further, you're going to find out that a lot of the things about liberty that we, we espouse government to take care of are our individual responsibilities anyway. The next one is, liberty cannot be defined except by the one experiencing it. It really can't. We can, we can define liberty in an abstract way. Liberty is freedom. Liberty is not being captive. Liberty is being free to make your choice. Liberty is this. But none of those things are actually concrete. None of those things actually paint a picture so that I can look at a person and go, that person has liberty. I can look at that person and go, they're not confined. 
by physical restraint doesn't mean that they have liberty. The person living with $50,000 worth of debt to MasterCard and student loan payments is not living in liberty because they're not free to choose. Now, you'll say they made a free choice to become indebted. I agree. But they freely chose captivity, and maybe they did it fully aware, maybe they did it halfway aware. I don't know. It doesn't abdicate the responsibility, but they're not free. Just as if you walk into a jail cell when you don't have a key, and you look at the lock and you go, if I shut the door, it's going to close. You walk in there free on your own free will and close the door. Maybe you even want to be in there. But unless you don't want to leave at any time, you're no longer free. You know, if you'd stay there anyway, if the door was open, I guess you're free. But then why would you close the door? See, just because it's self-imposed captivity doesn't mean that you still have liberty. It's only liberty if you can walk away. And that means that everything we do has, has you know, responsibilities involved with it. And every choice we make, even when no one is putting a gun to our head or, or, or what have you, even when no one's misleading us, every choice we take can adversely affect our liberty. And that's why we need to think before we act. And, and as a people, the American people have completely said, government, think for us. Corporations, think for us. So My big brother, think for me. My big sister, think for me. Mom, think for me. Dad, think for me. I don't want to think. I just want to have stuff and be. Well, if that's you, you don't have liberty. And that's, that's why I call the majority of the people in this nation sheeple. It's not a derogatory term. I guess it is if you're among them and you feel like you're being talked down to. But it, it is a descriptive term. That is how a sheep behaves. A sheep looks to the shepherd and says, Take me to the green grass. Take me to the water. Protect me from the wolf. Right? The sheepdog is free. The sheepdog runs out ahead and defends the sheep by choice. If that sheepdog doesn't want to be there, he can leave. There's nothing that master can do to make that sheepdog stay. That sheepdog does what he's supposed to do because it's who he really is. He is himself. Or if she is herself. But make no mistake about it, any dog capable of working with a shepherd and defending the sheep, if it chose to, out there on a free range, could just run away and become a wolf, basically. It chooses to be a sheepdog. It is free. Sheep is not. Does that make sense? And if it does, then understand that's how the average American's living today. And we have to start out to break that by understanding that you cannot have liberty defined for you. You have to define it for yourself because it's a personal choice. For me, living up on my mountaintop that we're fixing to finally live in, that's the greatest liberating experience of my life. There are those of you out there, if I put you where I am and said, here you go, they'd say, no, I don't want this. This is hell for me. So my liberty and your liberty can't be the same in its action, only in its, its environment. And the environment is the freedom to make those choices and the awareness of the freedom to make those choices. That's how we define it. There's any way to define liberty. The person is free to make the choice, any choice they wish, and they are aware of said freedom. And anything less is not liberty. And nothing a government does, nothing anybody else does for you will change that. And that goes right into the next one. Government cannot create liberty. There is no government program that will ever create liberty because it's individual. The only thing government can do and should do in regard to liberty is defend it. In other words, there was a gentleman by the name of Oliver Wendell Holmes. He used to be on the Supreme Court. Many, 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 many years ago. You can look him up if you want to. He had his good days 
and he had his bad days. And uh, there were some of the things that he said that will go down in the annals of history, some of the greatest wisdom ever, and there's some actions that he took and decisions that he made that were completely counter to what he said. But it doesn't take away from probably the best explanation of liberty and government's role in liberty that I have ever heard. And I heard this probably in 10th grade for the first time, and I've never forgotten it. The right to swing my fist ends where the other man's nose begins. And that is a true description of liberty. I can go out and swing my fist until my arms feel like they're going to fall off. And there's no, there's no problem with that. If you don't like it, tough. We'll get to that little thing here in a bit. But if I hit you in the nose, now I've infringed upon your liberty. Government's role, specifically in a republic, is not to make sure that everybody gets their due, but that if my actions specifically infringe upon your rights, and you're not strong enough to stand up to me because I'm bigger than you, I have more money than you, I have a whole bunch of goons behind me, or whatever it is, to stand up and go, no, thou shalt not encroach on thy neighbor. That's really government's primary role. Instead, we have the government doing the encroachment. It's exactly the opposite role that it's supposed to be. People talk about a free market. There is no free market in America in the true sense today. Just, it just as there is, you know, it's not a pure republic. It's more of a democracy than a republic because we forgot. As soon as you start to take one piece of these things away, the whole thing starts to fall apart. Do I think that the government should shut down Monsanto? No. What I think the government should require of Monsanto is to fully disclose everything they do. To put genetically modified corn included in this box. And let the consumer make an informed choice. And that's it. And if you want to eat the GMO corn, fine. But I also think they should not let Monsanto's corn corrupt the, their neighbor's organic corn. Because now the swinging fist is hitting the other man's nose in a way the other man cannot defend against. These are simple principles. They really are. And they're not really political. Some of you today will start to think, man, Jack's trying to convert me to a Republican. I promise you, if you think this way, you're not going to stay a Republican for long. And you ain't going to be a Democrat either. There is a word for this, but if you want to call it independent, it's probably more applicable. Or if you want to call it libertarian with a tiny L instead of the big L, it's probably more applicable than any party affiliation. That's just the reality. Government cannot create liberty. There is no such thing as government-imposed social justice that's truly justice. Because the government's version of social justice is, gee, you're doing really good. These people are doing really bad. Let's take some of what you have and give it to them. There is no justice there. The justice would be, why are these people doing bad? Is it through pure choice? Okay. If it is, they get to be there. They get to failure's okay. Is somebody holding them back, oppressing them in some way? If so, that oppression is removed, but we don't have to take from somebody to do that. We just have to push the people that are standing in the way out of the way. And in most cases, in poverty-stricken areas today in America, it is the government itself holding these people down. Let me skip. I'm going to go over it because I could just do the whole show on that. Let's get to the next one. Liberty is about equal opportunity. Truly, that's a, that's a great freaking word, equal opportunity. I am for equal opportunity for every single breathing human being on planet Earth, not just America. I mean, how much more open-minded could I be? 
Equal opportunity for all. But liberty is about equal opportunity, not equal results. All men are created equal in the eyes of the Creator, however you view that statement. I, I believe that. But they are created equal in their place on earth and their freedom if no other man infringes upon it to act in the way they choose to. Okay? That doesn't mean that they're equal in ability, that they're equal in strength, that they're equal in intelligence, that they're equal in interest for God. So if you have two people, both with 150 IQ, completely bright, one loves mathematics and one loves agriculture, they're going to have very different results and paths in life. When you hear equal opportunity today, especially if you're more of a conservative on the fiscal side of things, you probably cringe and you think about how corrupt the entire thing is. But don't throw the word out because it's been bastardized by a government apparatus that fails to comprehend what it means. Let's make the word mean what it really means. Equal opportunity. Everybody starts, everybody finishes, everybody is free to run the race, and no one's allowed to trip anybody along the way. But if you're slow, you come in last. If you're fast, you can come in first. There's a reward for coming in first. There are ways to make coming in last advantageous as well. It's up to you to figure it out. We are not supposed to be here to try to make everybody come up to everybody else's level. That's not equal opportunity. That's expecting equal results. Liberty cannot exist in a society that expects equal results. Only in a society that believes in equal opportunity. The next one is, liberty must be defended by the individual. No one can fully defend your liberty for you. Yes, if you're living in your little place out in the hills and a local government decides they want to take your property and it's not legal for them to do so, that's where federal supremacy actually is supposed to come in. That's where the feds are supposed to come in and say, no, 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 this guy have his land. Get off his land. That's, you've never heard of that happening, right? But that's, that's the way federal supremacy is supposed to work. If a state passes a law and says, Jack Spirico in the state of Texas can no longer do the Star Survival Podcast, the federal government is supposed to come in and tell the state of Texas, that would be an infringement on the right of free speech and free press. You don't get to do that, right? Not the other, you know, not... You will make this person do this, which is how the federal government's working today. Telling the states what they will oppress versus preventing the states from doing oppression. If a state passes a law that says there'll be no guns in the state of Georgia, it's supposed to be the federal government that shows up and says, no, you don't get to do that. We're sorry. That violates the individual right protected in our Constitution. By the way, just... Not really part of today's show, but I want to make sure I say this along the way. There is no such thing as a right you have because of the Constitution. You do not have constitutional rights. You have constitutionally protected rights. The rights in our Constitution and the Bill of Rights that are set aside for the individual are seen as predestined rights. The Constitution exists to protect those rights from government, not to give those rights to people from government. And if you don't understand that, then you don't understand the very foundational law of our nation. It's no wonder that people are confused. If you want to understand a house, you better understand its foundation first. If you dig a hole in the ground, a certain depth, certain dimensions, and you say, you say to an architect, a good architect, if we put a foundation there, how big can the building be? He can tell you to the floor how much it will support. 
Because understanding the foundation is understanding the building. If you don't understand that the laws in this nation that are, that are, that are founded on the backbone of the Constitution, and the Constitution specifically is designed to protect the people from the government, rather than to cry rights to the people from the government, you'll never understand anything about America and the way we're supposed to be living. And, and you can disagree with that, but there's no way to change it. Facts are stubborn things that just don't go away. And if you're going to have liberty as a right, you're going to have to defend it. So even though, even though, as an individual, there are times where someone is supposed to help you because the force against you is greater than you can bear. If someone breaks into your home, you may shoot them for breaking in your home. But if 15 armed thugs show up and tell you to get off your property, you may not be able to counter that. And that's law enforcement's role. And there is that part of the equation. But on an individual incremental basis, if you're not fighting a little bit to maintain your liberty on a daily basis on your own and paying attention to it, you cannot sustain it. Which goes right to our next fact about liberty. Liberty is a right that comes with many responsibilities. I am absolutely fed up with how many of our younger generation are running their mouths about their rights. We have a right to this, we have a right to that, we have a right to this. In some cases they're calling privileges rights, but in many cases they're actually speaking about things they truly do have a right to. Whether you like what the 18-year-old with the nose piercing and the tattoos says, she, when she says, I have a right to free speech, I have a right to protest, I have a right to assemble, she's not wrong. She's not wrong. She does have a right. Absolutely has a right to voice her grievances in any way where she can swing her fist without hitting you in the nose. Just because you don't like it doesn't change anything. She does have that right. But that right, without the responsibilities that go along with it, becomes meaningless. And liberty is, is a right, but it comes with the responsibility to defend it, to, to work for it, to earn it, to utilize it. And I don't tell you how to do those things, but if you don't do them, the liberty itself will fade away. What a lot of people in this country have is something I can only call liberty cancer. No matter how much freedom they have at some point in their life, if they don't understand these individual things and do them in their lives, and they may not be able to articulate it, most people, if you free them of the crap that, that, that modern society has placed on them, will do all of these things intuitively because it's a natural state of being. I guess that's one I left out. Here's your bonus for today. Liberty is a natural state. All right, Liberty is a natural state of being. But if you don't stay cognizant of this in a world where the whole thing's falling apart around you, your liberty is eroded, and it's not like you go from sitting in the backyard enjoying yourself the way you truly want to, to a prison cell overnight. It's slowly chipped away, and the further you get away from it, the less you even recognize your own captivity. And that's what happens when you have liberty as a right, but you abdicate your responsibilities to defend and hold and maintain and grow it. Liberty's precious. It's like a little seed. And you plant it and you water it and you want to grow it into a mighty tree, that's fine. But if you neglect it, it will die. It will wither. Or it will grow slowly. Or it will grow crooked. It will not produce fruit. 
right? You have to farm that liberty in yourself. And that comes with taking up the responsibilities that go along with it. The next one is liberty can be frightening. Liberty can absolutely be terrifying when you realize that that's really what you have. It, in many ways, number one is that people start to realize, well, if I have true liberty, then everything that I screw up is really my fault, and I don't have anybody else to blame anymore. I think it's sad that some people would live in a world of captivity just because they're uncomfortable with that, just because they want somebody to blame. But there are a lot of people that are doing that. There are people that are addicted to their problems. There are people that are addicted to self-imposed mental disorders. They're addicted to having a debt to complain about. They actually wouldn't know what to do. If you went in, they had a huge house payment, a huge car payment, a huge credit card payment, a huge student loan payment, and if like Daddy Warbucks walked in and, and wrote the slate clean to zero, they wouldn't even know what to do with themselves. They put themselves back into debt within a year. They're addicted to the misery. And I know that sounds completely insane. And a lot of you listening to me are going, well, that ain't me. Well, it may not be you now. It may have been you in the, at one time. Because liberty can be frightening because it comes with all the responsibilities that go along with it. It also comes with something called choice. Real choice. Last night when I had this listener over, he was talking about how he'd kind of like to move off somewhere, might have small-scale farming or something like that, and how, how big a choice it was to decide where. Because if he moved now, it's probably the last move, and it's kind of a retirement place. And, you know, and, and where is a, a big load you know, on, on your back? And I didn't really clue in on it, probably because I had one shot or too many last night. But thinking about it now, it was, it's, it's actually intimidating to have that choice. Because my advice to him was, you don't even need to think about where. You need to think about what. What do you want? What do you want in a place? What kind of soil? What kind of climate? What are the common things that you agree with your wife and your kids about you wanting? How far are you willing to go? When you make the, the list of all the what's that you want, then you just find a place that fits that. Because probably 70% of America could give you what you want in one form or another. So you define the what, and then you go out there and select the place that, that fits the what best. But what, what, what he was really saying is it's frightening to realize that I can go anywhere I want and do anywhere I want, and if I totally screw it up, if I mess it all up, I'm going to have no one to blame but me. Liberty is a frightening thing. And that's why sometimes you take an animal that's lived in a cage its whole life and you open the door, it might fly out of the cage, but it'll fly back in. You have to close the door to keep it out, to force it into freedom. Any type of captivity at a certain point starts to become comfortable. A person, an animal, anything starts to become domesticated and institutionalized. There are people that commit crimes just to go back to jail. Because after a certain amount of time living in prison, they just don't know how to live in society anymore. Some of them are even completely reformed. This is a fact. This is, there's been studies done on this. Where prisoners who actually don't want to harm anybody ever again, don't want to take from anybody ever again, go commit some kind of, of, of basically a victimless crime, you know, some kind of parole violation or whatever, just so they can go back. Because they can't live outside anymore. It, it's hard to believe, but it can go that far. And the more subtle, the more seductive version of this is the big car and the fancy house and the credit card and everything else. And you're seduced into this. 
And then you have people say, but I just can't afford it without credit. No, you can't afford it at all. That means you have to sacrifice. Liberty is not devoid of sacrifice, folks. Liberty requires sacrifice. There's bonus number 15. Liberty requires sacrifice. But the next one that's actually on the list is liberty isn't getting everything you want. You don't get everything you want just because you're free. That's actually the complete counter you know, argument for liberty. If you get everything you want, somebody else has to not get something they want and maybe something they worked for and earned. So if you want free medical care and they take money from me to provide it for you, that's not liberty for either one of us. You're being provided for and I'm being taken from. We provide for pets. And when we take something, we're harvesting. So the government is literally harvesting me to provide for you as its pet when it does that. There's no liberty there. There's no social justice there. What a bastardization of the, of the term social justice to say that's a social justice program to make sure that you have what you want you take from someone who earned what they have. It's a complete counter-argument to liberty. It doesn't work that way. Liberty is freedom and by its very nature some people when given that freedom will make poor choices. They will get results based on their choices, their execution, their planning, and a million other variables are going to factor in to what the result in their life or their particular project is going to be. And that means some people will get an F. Some people will get a zero. Some people will get a C. Some people will get an A quadruple plus. That's how liberty works. And the more liberty you have for the longer period of time, the more people that will actually earn the A. Because when there's people doing it, setting an example that aren't pulled back down, there are people that can excel, people will try to excel. And the guy that's getting the zero might move up to a D. And it's okay if that's what he has. Maybe that's the best he can do. It's up to him. Does that mean when somebody's starving we don't feed them? Of course not. That's nonsensical. People that think libertarians are, are heartless need to look at the charitable contribution of the libertarian-minded person. You'll find that it's probably much higher than either Dems or, or Republicans. Because we're all about helping people, but by my choice, I'll decide who I help. I'll decide which situation that I deem worthy of my sacrifice. That doesn't make me less charitable. It actually makes me far more charitable. Because I don't believe that mankind needs a gun pointed to his head to make him help his fellow man. And that's what government has brought us. If you do not believe it, do not pay your taxes. And when you get audit notices and thing like, things like that, ignore them. And when they tell you you're going to pay, don't pay. And if you do that long enough and, and you know get your money out of your bank account so they can't garnish it, do it to where they can't get their money, and eventually they will send some men in uniforms to your house carrying guns pointed at your head, pin you to the ground, handcuff you, and take you to jail for not giving them their due, for not paying Caesar his tribute, so that it can be redistributed to your fellow man. That is charity at the point of gun. That is not liberty. 
So you don't get everything you want. The next thing is, and this is the most important one, especially for the dyed-in-the-wool liberal to understand. If you're a, a true liberal, and you've stayed with me this time because you are a true liberal, not a progressive, but a true liberal, and you are saying that, you know, Jack, I don't agree with anything you're saying today, but I'll defend the death your right to say it. You're that kind of liberal. I want you to, if you, if you understand this one, it may change everything. So have the courage to listen and examine it. Liberty is not always pretty. If you're going to have liberty, there will be complete abject failures. If I give everybody freedom to do everything that they want, there will be people that go out and shoot up with meth and do coke and ruin their lives. If I give everybody freedom to do everything that they want without infringing on their fellow man, there will be people that will make a religious choice that you find to be completely wrong. If I give everybody the freedom to live any way that they want, there will be people that will teach their children things that you don't think they should teach their children. If I give everybody liberty, there will be people that will go out and work really hard and have great big houses and other people that will lay around on their asses and live in a tent city. And I can keep going and going and going. Liberty is not pretty. Always. Some things about it are absolutely wonderful. But there will be failures. Liberty is literally the freedom to fail. Because the greatest successes come from those who risk the most. Without the freedom to fail, there is no risk. Where there is no risk, there is no reward. So a liberated society is not a social utopia. But there's no such thing. You cannot have a social utopia. It's impossible. Whatever you decide is the limit for what someone can have. There's going to be someone willing to work for, develop, and build more that could benefit society if you allowed them to do so. If you create a social utopia at a point that you decide that everybody should have a minimum standard of living of X, there will be people that actually want to live below it. Some of them will be very, very happy people that may live better than the people that are living above it. Some of them may be completely miserable, but it's their choice. It's the only way that it works. The next one is, liberty requires crimes to have victims. We cannot incarcerate a person in a really liberated society for doing something that doesn't hurt anybody else. And yes, some of you are going to get very mad at me, but I'm going to say it. That includes drug use. We should not be putting people in jail for smoking weed. I'm sorry, it's just, it's just dumb. It's absolutely stupid. We should not be putting people in jail Because they're snorting coke up their nose or smoking crack. We just shouldn't. Now if we want to regulate those substances as a controlled substance and, and make full disclosure to people, like your cocaine was made with gasoline and turpentine in Colombia, fine. But we can't have someone incarcerated for doing something that didn't harm anyone else. And people say, well what about the mother that neglects her child? Child neglect is a crime. You're absolutely right. But I don't care if you're neglecting your child because you're a douchebag, because you're mentally screwed up, because you're on dope, because you're on alcohol, or because you're just a scumbag. I don't care why. It's the same crime. So anything that we can link to drug use, we can link to a million other things and say that is still a criminal activity. What about the crack dealer who breaks in my house? Breaking in your house is a crime. Whether the guy wants to buy crack or a stereo or an iPod, or he just doesn't like you. Still a crime, still punishable the same way because he swung his fist in a way that hit you in the nose. 
But the guy laying in the gutter that just wants his heroin, that's made a choice and eventually is going to die from his choice, that's freedom. I told you it's not always pretty. Now, does that mean that I don't think we shouldn't have people that go out there and talk to that man and say there's another way and try to rehabilitate him? No, and I think that should be done through charity. See, if I'm going to give you the freedom to destroy your body, don't ask me to fix it for you when you break it. I may. If you convince me individually that you really want another chance and you're willing to do the work, I may be the first person to write a check to help you get through rehab. But if you choose to live, you know, to, to live a life with mistakes, don't expect society to fix them for you at the point of a gun. And if we're going to have that attitude, then crimes have to have victims. If there is no victim, there is no crime. And I wonder how many people today in America are incarcerated for crimes that don't have a victim. Drugs is just an easy example. If no nose has been punched, there is no criminal activity as far as I'm concerned. If I ever serve on a jury, if I ever serve on a jury, one of the things that's going to have to happen for me to vote guilty is they're going to have to be able to say, Mr. Spirico, here is the victim. And I'll ask, where's the victim? Who was who victimized by this? Did he steal? Did he commit assault? Did he commit battery? Did he, did he have responsibility to someone that was neglected? No, he, he you know, snorted coke, and that's illegal in the state of Texas under... Not guilty. Not guilty. No victim? Not guilty. Well, he, he broke into somebody's house and stole their stereo to buy more. Guilty of theft, guilty of burglary, guilty of breaking and entering, whatever, fine. And then he punched a guy in the head on the way out. Guilty of assault, fine. On the count of using narcotics, possessing, not guilty, I'm sorry. There's no, there's no victim. I know a lot of you are really upset with me, but I, I challenge you to examine the concept. How can you have a crime without a victim? Does that mean I think we should just repeal everything right now? No, because the way the system's structured has to be deconstructed for these things to work. And there's certain things that are much bigger problems in our world than that one particular thing. But it is a perfect example of how we've gone from a society based on liberty to an oppressive empire based on money. Do we now live in a nation that is an economic empire where money control determines how much, person, how much power a person has? Not wealth, but control of money. The higher in the layer, at the elite layer of control, is where the real power is. Federal Reserve has more power in this country than the government does. They can do things with the flip of a switch or the, punk, the, the return key on a computer that are unfathomable to people 50 years ago. They can change the entire course of the U.S. or global economy with a single speech. That's where the power really lies. And it goes down to having crimes where there's no victims. The next one is, and I think this is pretty self-explanatory by now, but I still have to say it, liberty means others will do things you don't like. That's, that's liberty. You want, if you say you are for liberty, you're going to have to accept that that means probably the majority of people will be engaged in activities that you do not approve of. Now, that doesn't mean that everything they do will be that way, but the majority of people, even people that you agree with 90% of the time, will have 10% of their lives that you don't think they should do things that way. If you can't be okay with that, you're not cut out for liberty. You're still living in captivity. And let me tell you why. As long as your happiness 
is dependent on somebody else's actions, you're their slave. They're dragging you in their wake. Well, I think that person should go to church on Sunday. I can't believe they don't. Well, they're dragging you in. You go to church. And that person can go fishing in a fly stream. Maybe that's their faith. I don't know. I don't care. You know, well, that person shouldn't eat Whopper, Whopper cheeseburgers. I completely agree. I think they're a terrible thing. I haven't eaten fast food forever, and I don't want to. I think it's horrible for you. I don't think anybody should eat it. But if you want to eat it, go ahead. See, that's how liberty works. There's going to be plenty of things. I don't think you should do drugs. In spite of everything I do, I think it's a terrible cancer on society. Like a credit card. Right? I think a credit card has probably destroyed more families than, than some drugs have. Not all, but some drugs have. But I'm not trying to outlaw them. I'm just telling you, don't do it. Don't do it. Right? Have you ever heard me get on the air once? With, as many times as I've bashed credit cards... And, and credit agencies and collection agencies, people that use credit cards, and people that say, I just use it for the airline miles, and all that other crap. Have you ever heard me once say, and we should make credit cards illegal? No, I say, you cut your credit card in half, throw it away, pay off the balance, and never use it again. And then if you decide that you're going to do it anyway, I go, that's a dumb idea. It's going to suck. Here's why it's going to suck, but be free. Go ahead. Go back to debt prison. I don't care. That's your choice. I care about you as an individual, but I don't. But I care about you enough as an individual to let you do stupid things. If we're going to have a liberated society, many people will do things you don't like, and you will have to be okay with it. See, liberty's not always pretty. Remember, that was one of the other facts. The next one is, and this one's so important to understand, because it goes to the 13th one, And without these last two, none of it really matters. And this is, we are not born into liberty. We are born into captivity. We are born as captive creatures. And we have to be. Captivity has a purpose. In some cases, it requi it's required to ensure survival. And here's what I mean. If we had a, a mother give birth to a child in the middle of a field, and then say, I'm setting the child free, she has liberty. Or he has liberty. Even clean them up, get the goop, goop off them, cut the cord, do the whole nine yards, and then just walk away from that child, even in a moderate climate where it's not too hot, not too cold. Little stream of water running by, plenty of things that a child could eat. You know, I guess you can't even eat at that point. But if there was a stream and a stream of milk just laying on each side of this child, a nirvana, a, a garden of Eden for, for, for infants, that child doesn't know how to eat, feed itself, move yet. It will lay there and die. It will starve to death. It will dehydrate. Can't have an infant be liberated. So we are born into pure, 100% captivity. And as we grow, if we have parents who are enlightened, we move more and more toward liberty just a little bit every single day. Raising a child is about taking a captive human and setting it free. The problem is parents today are maintaining remote captivity over 28-year-old children living 100 miles away by continuing to feed them as though they're a pet. To continue to provide for them when they don't need it. To not let them struggle. To not let them once in a while get tired. To not let them live on ramen noodles once in a while. To not just say, you know what, sometimes they're going to be uncomfortable. 
Sometimes they're going to be unhappy. Being unhappy is not being depressed. Right? Being, un being depressed is when you're unhappy and you never get happy again. Being unhappy is normal. If you were never unhappy, you wouldn't even know what happiness was like. It would become meaningless. It's just like a drug. If you stay high on a drug long enough, the high loses its effect. Eventually you get to a point where you can't take enough of the drug to maintain the high without killing yourself. And you live in a blasé. Even though you should be completely keyed up and high, you're not. What's how anything would be if it's, it's not just the, the biochemical thing going on there. If you are a person that never has like, oh man, this is a, just a tough day. This is just, oh, I want to do a little side note here. The other day I had carpet people in the house and they were banging and banging and banging. And when they got to the stairs, I mean, every time this guy dropped a hammer down, it was like echoing through the whole house. And I'm trying to put some stuff together for the Survival Podcast website. And you can't think and you're trying. So I got, I decided, you know what? I come on this show and I pour it out every day. Sometimes everybody's having a bad day. And you just need to vent. And I went on to Facebook and said, I want to shoot myself from these guys. It was meant to be humorous. And most of the people got it. And a few of you guys, a few of you guys are like, there's people with so much bigger problems. There's people in the world starving to death. You, this isn't a big deal. Suck it up. It's not wearing a dress or whatever the hell they said. If that's you, kiss my ass. Okay? Kiss my ass. Period. In fact, turn the mic off. Don't listen anymore if you're one of those people. Seriously. If you were serious when you said it. You know what? Because everybody has those down days. And what we need to do when we have those down days is have somebody to vent to. There's sometimes where my son has pissed me off. And I'll tell my wife, I'm going to complain about him and you're going to listen to me because I want to let him be with this and let's see if he fixes it. But i got to vent. And when you have a friend do that, instead of going, hey, you're not having him in a problem, listen. And then another thing is text is the lowest form of communication. So maybe you misunderstood me. Maybe I misunderstood you. In that case, you don't have to kiss my ass and keep listening. But if you were serious about that, now that you understand it, kiss my ass, turn the mic off. I don't need you. And that's how I feel about all of my relationships in life. If we can't occasionally be there for each other because we're having a bad day, You know, what do we have then? We have a one-sided, parasitic relationship. I'm not into that, not even with listeners. But my, my bigger point here is that we all are born into captivity. Sorry about the side note there. That's just been pissing me off. Um, we are born into captivity, and we're, our job as parents is to, is to lead that child to liberty. And, and that leads us to the 13th fact, and that is that liberty is something that we actually grow into. We're not suited for liberty as children. We're not ready to make our own choices as children. Even when we're old enough that we could feed ourselves and drink water and you know use the bathroom and not in one place that would accumulate and, and ruin it. Even when we're old enough to basically function and we're in adolescence and what have you, we're still not really ready for liberty because we haven't learned enough through life's experiences to be responsible with it. But at some point... Mom and dad got to say, here's the cord, snip, you go. And understand that no one will ever be fully ready for liberty. But at some point, it's the very mistakes that we make. It's the very failures that we have. It is the bad days. It's the bad experience. It's the business that you build that you think is going really great. Just like some of the things that I've done. And they go from making you money and growing and growing and growing to on the ground overnight. 
And then you go, wow, man, I had two years into that. It's not worth it anymore. And then you pick yourself back up and you do what needs to be done and you do it again. That's what liberty is. We mature into liberty as individuals. And when we first use it, it's like a bird. You kick him out of the nest, he's got wings, he can fly, the aerodynamics are there, the feathers are developed, everything's there to fly, including instinct and knowledge. He's been stretching those wings and flipping around a little bit and hopping up to the branch and back down to the nest. But first time he flies, it doesn't look real pretty, you know? Probably falls into a bush or something. Hopefully a cat doesn't get him. If it does, that's the way that it is. That's liberty. But gets back up and eventually that bird can fly. And it flies like every other bird out there. And that's how we have to come into liberty. Failure's part of the equation. Bad days are part of the equation. Encroachments by others that you have to beat back, part of the equation. When you're that bird out there on your first flight, there will be a cat in the bush waiting to kill you. It's your job if that cat pounces on you to fight back, to bite, to claw, and to fly away. It's your job to pay attention to where that cat might be laying in the first place. Sometimes you'll get it right, sometimes you'll get it wrong. You gotta do it for yourself. And the reason I wanted to do today's show about these concepts is, again, everything I talk about is really pushing people toward liberty and their own choices and their own freedom. And that means you can completely disagree with me about the way things should be. And you have the complete freedom as the artist painting your own canvas to paint your life any way you want. If your life you want to paint is a Jaguar XJ in, your, in, your, in the front of your three-car garage, and it's out there because the other three cars are worth more than Jag. And that's, if you're going to leave one out, that's the one you're going to leave out. And massive credit, and you want an American Express black card, the one that's made out of metal, right? And you want that life. If that's what you want, you have the freedom to build that. You have the freedom to be a hippie on a commune. You have a freedom to be anything in between those extremes. You can live on a mountaintop like me or in suburbia like most of America. You have complete choice. What you don't get to do is paint somebody else's picture or take from somebody else's canvas to change somebody else's picture. That's the only place that I differ with anyone when it comes to ideas about the way things should be. You can build whatever you want. And if your way is the best way, people will follow you. If my way is the best way, people will follow me. But I don't care if anybody follows me. Which is probably why some people do. Because when you live that way, you truly are an example of what can be. And people that look at that and go, that's what I want. Go, if I do the same things, that's how I'm going to get there. And sometimes when they start doing the same things you do, they go, oh, this guy's an idiot. This is why it took him 10 years. I can do it in two. Watch. And then sometimes that person finds a new way that's great, and they're an example. And sometimes they go, gee, that guy wasn't an idiot. This really sucks. Now it's going to take me 12. I just wasted two. That's freedom. And I don't understand how any human being can be presented with this and actually disagree. You're free to disagree. That's the very nature of things. I welcome your disagreement. But I, won't, I, I, I don't have the ability to comprehend how anyone can think there's liberty when one person is taken from to provide for another. That's the very you know, antithesis of freedom. 
And again, that doesn't mean that someone is allowed to ride roughshod completely over someone else or suppress somebody else or hold anybody back. But we don't equalize that by taking. We remove the obstructions. We remove the blocks. We say to the oppressor, you're not going to do that. Don't do it again. That's the guy that goes in the cage. Not the person that committed the freaking victimless crime. How is there a victimless crime? Well, the victim is the person themselves. That's freedom. That's liberty. And hopefully this has kind of painted a different picture of liberty and freedom for you today. Really. I hope it has. I hope it's, uh, I hope it's made you re-examine what you want for yourself and start to realize the big thing. No one's going to give it to you. No one's going to provide it to you. You're going to have to take it. Whatever it is that you want, wherever you want to be in the next five years, ten years, fifteen years, whether society falls apart or holds together, it's up to you. Only you can make the choice. Only you can decide. And only you can fail or succeed. And that means that every day you need to be doing one thing to get you a little bit closer because I'm going to tell you the ultimate secret if you're not doing one thing to get a little bit closer to where you want to be you're moving one step further away from where you want to be you do not stay stationary in life you do not stay stationary in your state of liberty you're either increasing or you're decreasing there is no flat line so what have you done today or what will you do today to add a little bit more liberty and freedom to your life your heart your spirit your mind What is it? Go out and find it. Go out and seize it. And go out and demand it of yourself. To have liberty, you need a leader. But the leader is you. And with that, this has been Jack Spierko with another edition of the Survival Podcast. Helping you figure out how to live that better life if times get tough. Or even if they don't. Show.